Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Friday, a rare late in the week podcast. It's not going to be about USC spring football or pro day or hiring a new president or any of that. We have a special guest here in studio with us. So you might remember this name, especially if you followed the uh, Pete Carroll era. It was pretty good for USC football. Jody Alawale. He is here in studio. It's now Dr. Jody Alwale. <laughs> and uh, we wanted to, I, I saw him on a television program. Had, had I actually had his number in my phone. I just sent him a text like, Jody, hey, you want to come on the podcast? And he said, yes. Well, welcome to the show, Jody. How are you doing? Ryan, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. No, it's, it's awesome. And uh, I wanted people to know, you know, we were trying to do more... We do our regular, you know, newsy stuff in the podcast, but we wanted to have some guests on, yeah. uh, people from the USC community and having former football players is always very cool. And your story is, uh, is really unique. So if you want to, you can follow Jody on Twitter at Dr. Dr. Underscore Jody, J O D Y Ottawale, which is A D E W A. L E. Uh, do you do the Instagrams or anything else too? Or I do, but Twitter is probably the best. Place. Twitter one, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, or what? you can also find me on Psychology Today. Okay. It's a website where most clinicians or um, therapists they they post their 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 work. So Psychology Today, you can just type in my name, you can find how to contact me there. Nice Psychology Today. So we're kind of you know giving this away a little bit. You're <laughs> you are now. So what what's your PhD? You you are a doctor. Like yes. <laughs> we have to call you doctor. Like that's, yeah. that's the whole reason to get a PhD, right? So you have to. Say, it's it's uh, so Mr. Adewale, your table. It's Dr. Ottawa. I'm going to be honest with you. The first the, the first six months after I graduated with my doctorate, I wanted the world to call me doctor. And now, <laughs> just call me Jody. <laughs> just, hey, call me whatever you want. I don't really care. Nice. Yeah, I, the, 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 the prestige wears off after a while. Yeah. I, it did cost me 260000 but but... <laughs> yeah, it's not... Uh... It's not cheap. Yeah. Uh, so what is your, what is your. So I'm a clinical psychologist, a yeah. doctor. I have a doctorate in clinical psych. So there's two types of doctorates for psychologists is PhD and there's PsyD. PhD is more of a research based okay. where you want to um, sort of focus on studies and, and PsyD, what I am is a, as a clinical practitioner based. We're focused of in the hospitals, in the clinics, diagnosis and treatment. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a cl- doctor of clinical psychology. We're mostly with adolescents um, pediatrics and young adults. That's, that's the majority of my scope. But okay. I also work with severe mental illness. These are like, we're talking about schizophrenics, severe bipolar disorders, people who are in and out of psychiatric hospitals. Gotcha. So that's the majority of my work now. Okay. Um, it's you know, really interesting stuff. And like we were talking before, you know, we, we talked to a lot of former football players like, Oh, what are you doing? Like a lot of really successful guys. Like, Oh, I'm in the media now, or I do commercial real estate yeah. or whatever. Like, Oh, I'm a clinical psychologist. Like, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't come up a whole lot. I mean, yeah. were there any other, did you know other football players that were interested in that kind of field? Or? No, I mean, I remember before a game, we, we, Coach Carroll was telling us to just clear your minds. And the way I would clear my, clear my mind is read sort of the program. And I would look at all the guys and they would show their majors and you see sociology, sociology, communications, business. <laughs> and I ne- there was one other psych student and that was it. And yeah. I don't know why. And a lot of us didn't get into the psychology field. What got me, I mean, to be honest, what got got me into the field was not the field but what someone said all the pretty girls were in psych one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so i showed up <laughs> and, and then i saw the pretty girls but then the psych sort of uh, sort of latched me in and that's what kept me there the yeah. psych i went for the girls the psych kept me <laughs> nice that's, that's how do you find your career well there were supposed to be pretty girls in the major so that's where i went there weren't as many i was an engineer there wasn't as many of those yeah, but, but, that, but that was that was a whole different story but so I think part of the, you look through those majors, I mean, part of the problem is that it's almost, it's, or it is a full-time job when you play yes. football. Yeah. It's, it's rare when you get someone that goes into a more demanding major just because it's almost impossible to, to yeah. keep up with everything, right? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. And you, I don't think, um, we were, I wasn't prepared enough for the college atmosphere. Like the high school I went to is a great school, but it had 5,000 students and it was inner city. And I had to adjust really quick to either sink or swim. And Pete, Pete Carroll also taught the competitive nature. It wasn't just on the field. He taught us to compete everywhere else. And so, 
I took that to the classroom, took that to my personal life, took that to now my career. And I feel that that has helped that uh, that drive to keep pushing and always compete, not with just people around you, but yourself to get better every day. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I, I equate a lot of my success to Reggie Bush, Lindell White and Chauncey Washington. And I'll tell you why. The first week I, I was running back, showed up to practice first week, freshman year, Lindell White, Chauncey Washington, Reggie Bush. They were phenomenal. And through their success, I realized I need to go to class because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be good, but I don't think I'm going to get a lot of playing time. <laughs> so I got to put my eggs in another basket, at least have two baskets. Right. Yeah. Not put all my emphasis on on just trying to make it to the NFL because what I saw, what when I would see Reggie, I would see guys like Brandon Hancock and uh, the running back fullback crew. I would say like, you know what? I'm good, but... You know, you can lose at any time. So you have to have a backup immediately. Uh, yeah. that, that's interesting because that was a really amazing yeah. running back room. Well, I, I guess let's go back there when you were at Roosevelt High School because you were like all city, all state mm -hmm. player. There might have been like an all American kind of honor, right? Or yeah. So I was all city, all state. And I don't I mean, I, I, I don't remember if I was all American because I that was so long ago. But Mike Garrett helped out a lot as well. He, okay. he went to my high school. And he, there's a huge, a huge game called the East, East Los Angeles Classic. It's Roosevelt versus Garfield in the community. I think like twenty to thirty thousand people come out and watch it. And Mike Garrett, um, he he's always part in the. He always comes back to the community, and I think he came to that game and was um, sort of. I, I sparked his attention, and I think him seeing someone from the community like himself, African American kid, grew up in a predominantly Latino community, um, went to USC. I think that was another bridge of helping me get in. But right. I was pretty good too. I yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you were, I mean, there was, you were being recruited by yeah. different schools. Like Michigan, you had some other offers and stuff Yeah, too, Michigan, right? Hawaii, Oregon State, like yeah. basically all the, all the big division one schools, Texas, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, I, I didn't even think I was going go to go to play college football. I thought I was going to go to the military. Okay. My sister was a Marine. And so football was a thing to do because I just didn't want to go home. Yeah. Like my, <laughs> my, home, <laughs> my parent home life wasn't that fun to be, to be there. So I figured I just wouldn't play football and have some, have a, pa have a, a pastime. Gotcha. Uh, something to pass the time. So, I mean, I was fullback in, in high school. We ran a wing T offense. So basically the, it was misdirection. And the fullback got the ball a lot. Gotcha. And that's what helped um, sort of my size and my speed um, and the constant feeding me the ball sh showed that I had some promise. Yeah. Yeah. And you got, I mean, so you get to USC. No, mm -hmm. it was the same, same recruiting class, right? As yeah. Reggie Bush yeah. and Chauncey Washington. Yeah. Yeah. With Lindell, Lindell was in that Yeah, class? let me throw some names up there okay, pretty yeah. fast. Steve Smith, receiver. Yeah. Um, Lindell White, Chauncey Washington, Reggie Bush, uh, Whitney Lewis, Sam Baker. These are old linemen. Cedric Ellis. Yeah. Who, um, Clay was a year before us. Okay. Um, let me think of who. Who's was now. Lawrence Jackson in Lawrence, that? Yeah, Lawrence Jackson was in there. Uh, Eric Wright, he was a corner. Yeah, yeah I remember there. Eric. Oh, he played in the league. Thomas Williams was another guy. Yeah. Salo, he, he got, had so many concussions, but Salo Faremo, he, yeah. he was supposed to be the next uh, junior Seah. Yeah. But he got concussed and he couldn't play anymore. So, um, who Terrell was, Thomas, did you mention him? Or I, I didn't mention him. Terrell okay. Thomas okay. was there. Yeah. He played. So, I mean, almost all these guys played in the NFL. Chris Barrett, yeah. Alex Morrow. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, John David Booty was John class, David right? Booty. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. I, I don't know if I don't want to brag, but I hear that that's one of the best recruiting classes in the history of college football. I would think so. I yeah, don't know if that's the case, but I mean, even post, if you do post analysis on that, yeah, uh, yeah you would look at the success yeah. that everyone's had, and you, yeah. your senior class was the most. Like you went to four Rose Bowls, right? You went yeah. to four Rose Bowls, and I think it's the winningest class yeah. in USC history. Four, like every every year I was there, we went to either a bowl. So I went to four Rose Bowls and one Orange Bowl, and three of those were championships, yeah. so like national championships. That's, yeah, that so, doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> um, another guy, <laughs> another guy that I mentioned. I don't know if he's still in the NFL right now. Ryan Khalil, he was the long, yeah. yeah the snapper for. Um, Carolina, he just yeah. retired. He, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I'm was sure. he in that class too? He was in that. Yeah, he was in that Holy class cow, too. Wow. I mean, I yeah, I even mentioned the old. Uh, there's some old linemen there that I that crossed my mind. So so I mean, that to be real, that class 
checked me to know, you know what, you're good, but don't yeah. <laughs> don't put all your eggs in this one basket. Yeah, you know? no, it makes sense. I mean, looking around the just the running back room would be crazy, yeah. and like, and you got Hancock there. Who's, yeah, you know, um, yeah. So I, and let me throw out the 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 depth. I remember at one point looking at the depth chart, and there was twelve running backs: <laughs> <laughs> Herschel Dennis, Reggie Bush, Lindell White, Chauncey Washington, Joe McKnight, uh, Stephon Johnson. Like these guys were. Oh yeah, and fullback was um, David Kurtman, Lee Webb, myself, uh, Brandon Hancock, and then Stanley Havili. So it was. So, Havili went to the NFL too. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was a. Um, it was. It, it helped me compete. I feel like I grew with these guys because you either it's basically a sink or swim, and yeah. you have to you have to be on your p's and q's and be on point every single moment. Um, to to survive. Yeah. So yeah. So I feel like Mike, they made me a better person. Now it would USC. I guess you went to uh, it was like was it the Thirty Second Street Magnet School that was close to USC? You kind of grew up, yeah, like a USC fan. So that's sort of did, yeah. was that sort of kind of direct you to go there? Besides, you know, the Mike Garrett connection. So um, I yeah, there's a Thirty Second Street. It's across street. I think if you go there from kindergarten through twelfth, they give you a scholarship to USC. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, but I, I'm not I'm I'm not sure if that's still around. But I went there for. About four years elementary school, and you being a being across the street, you have to be a USC fan. Yeah, I remember. I forgot. I had a number ten jersey when I was in fourth grade. I forgot. I forgot who was number ten. But yeah, I mean, being from LA, I'm, I'm born and raised in inner city Los Angeles. You have, I mean, either you're a UCLA fan or a USC fan, and I don't know too many UCLA fans. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't like blue that much. So, <laughs> so, so, so um, I mean, all I heard was USC. All, when Pete Carroll came and was coach, I think it was 2001, that's when I really started to get into football. And um, being a kid from LA, I mean, your heart it just lies in set with USC. Yeah, oh, that makes yeah. it makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you get uh, to USC, mm-hmm. there were some stories of like, I mean, you talked about, you know, the childhood wasn't mm-hmm. the, the easiest. You had to do, you were like going home a lot, right? Like helping to try yeah. to, like not only mm-hmm. just, doing a harder major and playing football, but trying to support the family too. I don't know if you yeah. want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think God puts us through um, tough times to make us better. You know, God, the universe, however you want to, whatever you want to put it. But so my family, we're from, we're, we're from East Los Angeles, not too financially stable. Mom and dad have some financial issues, dad and mom, mom specifically mental health issues. And so I would go home because I was so close and, Whatever I can provide or however I could support them, I would do it. I would pack up lunches from the Galen Center. The Galen Center is the place where we eat for free. Yeah. I would bring Tupperware and pack up some lunches wow. and take them home. I remember my stipend. I, the stipend is a, a, a amount of money you get for the month for playing. I mean, half of that would go to my parents. Sometimes the, I would take out student loans, help my dad pay off some some debts. So I'm still carrying some of those loans today. Wow. But I think I feel like um, if you're given... If you're given something, you're given a chance, you can't just hold it and hide it in a corner. I feel like it's your obligation to give back and support those people around you. So I look at, I looked at it at that time as a burden and man, I, how don't, how come other people don't have to do this? But now I see it as a gift. Like I was able, I I was able to provide the support that they need at the time. But yeah, but every, I, since I don't want to come off as a, um, a sob story, everyone has a struggle. Yeah. And this was just my struggle at that no. time. Other people have different types of struggles. But it's pretty impressive yeah. that you're able to do that. Like, you know, you're usually looking for home for support, not mm-hmm. to give support, you know, because yeah. like, that's that's yeah. a huge life changing event where you're going to college and you're playing football with this crazy recruiting class and stuff. And you also have this thing in the back of your head, like, Hey, I got to go make sure I'm taking care of home. Yeah. I mean, there were some times I can remember, I remember going to the dentist school, the dentistry school and taking like some toothpaste, toothpaste and toothbrushes, like free toothbrushes. I mean, I hope USC doesn't come after me, but I used to, I used to go (laughs) to other problems. I don't think (laughs) I used to go and get like toilet paper from like, like I would grab a roll every other day and just stack up a roll and take it home. So it it was, (laughs) I hope they don't get, that hit me for that but i mean <laughs> it's it's the survival mentality that i learned growing up in la and then i think p carroll also taught survive in in competing yeah. it's it's not okay to have an excuse to not try it's not okay to have an excuse for constant failure i mean you, you, there's a there's a solution to everything in my opinion wow and if it's stealing toilet paper it's stealing toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> what you gotta do <laughs> 
That's amazing. You have you're you're going to class with guys that are probably like FedExing their laundry home and just yes. like, and you're like sneaking toilet paper. I remember We're that. We're gonna call it stealing. We'll call it sneaking. <laughs> I, I I see some of the stuff in the media today about um like you, you I mean you know what's out there about people paying to get in yeah and I mean there's no there's no resentment or ill will towards those people but I understand like some people just have to survive how they want to, how they have to survive yeah and um, I mean that's a whole nother debate but um I um I I instead of what helped me was focusing on what I had to do. And my struggle, because the moment I started comparing myself to other people's struggles or looking in someone else's lane, only discouragement came next. I found that if I'm running a race, I need to focus on my lane. And if I'm looking at how much money you have or how you can send your clothes home and get washed, discouragement's next. So once that creeps in, I got to I got to push it out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite sort of like. I mean, you weren't playing a ton, but like sort of playing moment or game or something from your USC career. You remember? Um, yeah. There, I mean, it, you might it, it might sound weird, but practice was some of the most fun times. Really? That you you had it, it were terrible. Let me step back. Terrible because you hate practicing and it's it's not it's not always fun. But I just remember um, I remember seeing the best of the best. I remember at fullback, I was, I was lined up and I looked up and I saw Ray Malaluga yeah. in, at, at center linebacker, Clay Matthews on the outside, Brian Cushing sort of playing, <laughs> <laughs> playing a sort of like a wing style position. And then Keith Rivers backing up and down. I mean, terror is in your heart. At that time. <laughs> You're like, uh, I'm going to check out. Coach. Yeah. Let me just coach. Can I, oh, my leg. No, but I, I remember being in practice and just how the level of competition was nowhere near anything we would ever see on a on a, on a real game the, yeah the, the comp- competition to get in a practice was t- almost five to ten times harder um the last uh, what i remember the most is the last play that i ever had was it the rose bowl versus illinois okay and, and um uh it was f12 flip that was the play where the fullback just gets the ball and you're supposed to run three or four yards and whatever get tackled you know yeah. like fourth and one get the fullback they give me the ball I run about 17 yards, oh, and nice. yeah. it, what, what I liked about it was something Coach Carroll had said. He said, you practice how you play, and I did that exact same thing, the exact same play, the exact same cut, the exact same yardage during a practice the day before okay. or the week before. So it's almost it, it was a validation of effort equals results oh. you know, practice equals results so that's what i remember the most was that your was that the fifth year that was the fifth, fifth year? year yes so you were like the time you were considering just doing like grad school right and not coming back for the fifth year yes yeah, so it, so i registered the first year and um i i had graduated in four and Steve Sarkeesian approached me and asked me if I would give up my, in a sense, scholarship so someone else can be a part of the team. <laughs> I mean, sounds, sounds Sarky. So <laughs> no, very Sarky. That stuff like, yeah. like, I mean, stuff like that happens. Yeah. Long, you know, and so, I think even Pete Carroll did. I can't remember. If there's a guy that was like a fullback or a linebacker that mm-hmm. they switched to, and they needed him later, but yeah. they kind of wanted him to just move on. And he didn't, I can't remember, oh, I yeah. can't remember who it was. I, I think that sounds familiar. I, I think I know you're talking, but so I know it will, but I did want to play another yeah. year. And so I left it up to the universe. I said, all right, I grad school here. I come. I, so I, I had that fifth year to go to grad school and um, around spring, Something didn't work out for the team. I think a fullback didn't come aboard. Somebody might have got injured. And so they called me right back and said, hey, can you play another year? So it was, I mean, I feel like um, not stressing too much and letting life play out in life's terms yeah. is this is the way I like to approach. So life played out and I got my fifth year. And nice. it was it was, it was was worth it. Was it Powell? I'm trying to think of. There Ryan Powdrell. Was it Ryan Powdrell? Yeah. Was he the one that was, they wanted him to sort of retire and he switched to linebacker and they needed him? Or they, it, I can't remember I think exactly. Ryan Paltrow, or no, maybe not. Maybe that wasn't him. Ah, oh, man, there was a, there was definitely someone that was like, mm. you felt it was a thing, like oh, but then you, he was like became a you know integral part of the team. And I Thomas can't remember. Williams, no, no, it wasn't him. It wasn't someone like that. But it's, yeah. I, I forget. Yeah. But sorry, I don't mean to like. No, but yeah, there there's so many stories of it's not just one position. There's many ways to survive. Yeah. on the football team, right? Yeah. Well, you did. That's good. You got <laughs> your uh, you got your fifth year. You got the 17 yard run to end your career and beat the Illini. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. The then you I think at the your last year 
you won the what the the Wilma Rudolph Student Athlete Achievement yeah. Award. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So every so uh, there was two. There was the um, John Wayne Scholarship and the Wilma Rudolph. So the Wilma, there's something called the Student Athletic Academic Services, where every athlete has um, sort of connection with psychologists, t- um, tutors, educational professionals to get. Um, their academics get support in the academics. I think the 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 award comes through that um, department. Okay. That there's a national conference for all D1 schools who have a um, academic support program, and they give out scholarships to people who, in a sense, achieve through adversity. Um, there was a man, a gentleman there who had a severe physical disability, was an athlete, and still got 4.0. Wow. So uh, my story, in a sense, um, was put out in the LA Times uh, by Bill Plasky, I believe. Okay. And he and that caught some attention. So my struggle essentially was financial hardship and um, family who had some severe problems, but still achieved academic success. Hmm. The John Wayne Scholarship also was. Um, um, same thing, similar USC's way of just saying, "Hey, we see your efforts, and here's some, here's ten thousand dollars to pay for school." Nice. It all went to school. <laughs> I went to school, and yeah. that was so the the uh, the Wilma Rudolph one. That's a more of a national. That's a national. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. So it wasn't like a, you you won like the USC yeah. like weightlifter. Like that's more the John Wayne. Yeah, one. the John Wayne. Yeah, the John yeah. Wayne's USC Wilma Rudolph is a national. I think there was four or five st- um, student athletes who got the award too. Nice. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good resume building. It's good to see also, I, I said to them when I was there, I remember speaking at the event and I remember Chris Rock, he said, I'm tired of people taking credit for things they're supposed to be doing. Like uh, he said, a guy said, I'm taking, at least I'm taking care of my kids. You're supposed to take care of your kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like, I felt like the award, I remember I told him, I said, I feel like the reward, award is something you're giving me credit for something I should be doing. You yeah. should help, you should be busting your butt in school. So that's, it felt a little odd to get an award for your job. Yeah. <laughs> so like, not a lot of people were doing it. Yeah. And, and to, to do it the way you did it with, uh, you know, playing football and all that stuff. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. that, that's it's pretty rare. I mean, that's you know, yeah. there's not a lot of clinical psychologists yeah. that play college football. Yeah. Not, I mean, I, there's probably some that would like to be, but this, the demands, like yeah. it would be a lot of work. I I, pre- I really appreciate that, Ryan. One one thing I see now in my practice, I'm getting a ton of referrals and people just looking for um for support for mental health for their kids and the, being being a athlete playing at USC is a huge selling point. People see that and automatically want to work with you. Yeah. My intern, I have a I have I have two postdocs and four interns and residents at the hospital I work at and um they were they wanted to apply and work with me just by the just for the fact that I played football <laughs> and and she told me her name is Dr. Lavia and she said I knew you played football, so I knew you'd be a cool boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so meaning like um, I think there's a perception that the society has of people who have played in athletics, in athletics, like there we're much easier to not easier, but we're, we're, we're cool. Yeah, <laughs> we're good to work with. You know, we can help. We understand the team mentality. We understand support. We understand it's not all about us. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean just, just being a part of the team like that, I think that when mm-hmm. and it's almost it's like real life experience, like coming out of grad school mm-hmm. or whatever, and you you haven't worked and you're trying to get a job yeah. to being in the real world. Like being a student athlete like that, you're it's like you're in the real world yeah. as opposed to just being I'm the college student. I'm going to my frat parties yeah. and blah blah blah. Like you, you, it's like kind of being in the real world because of all the you know demands on your time. Yeah, I can imagine going to class and then going home. What? <laughs> what? That I haven't done that since eighth grade. <laughs> so yeah, so you, there's a different level of engagement and effort you have to give being an athlete. And I think that if if any athletes are listening to me now, it absolutely translate into your work life yeah. and into your pr- private life. If you're going. To school, going, I mean, if basically if you're not giving it all in school now, you might see that type of behavior continue as you get out and become and become professional because you, you practice how you play. Yeah. <laughs> right now you're in practice essentially with your academics. Yeah. Did you finish your master's at USC or did you go somewhere? Like how did that, yeah. like what, what the you know, post USC, like what yeah. was the school? Like so now? bachelor's master's USC. Um, I got a master's in marriage and family therapy. Okay. So if anyone's talking about their feelings, you could talk to me about them. I also got, so I moved to San Diego and did my doctorate there. And it's called a CSPP, California School of Professional Psychology, Alliant University. And USC has a research uh, psychology program. It's heavily based on just doing data analysis and gathering uh, 
um, creating research studies. I'm more of the practitioner. You so, want to work with people. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, there, I remember looking at the USC application for a doctorate program. There was like two slots for 400 applicants. So oh I God. said, I don't have time. I didn't just go be <laughs> a practitioner. Yeah. So, yeah. So I did my do- doctorate in San Diego. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I applied to work um, at USC's um, athletic department. But... I, I kind of stepped back from the athletes. I, I, maybe I want to finish my career working on working with athletes. Okay. But right now I want to get a good basis of um, severe psychopathology, adolescents, adults, family therapy. I'm also doing some, I, well, I, for a little bit, I did some consultation with the LA Rams. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so um, there's a program where all the, I think it was Jared Goff's, Jared Goff's first year, there was a program where um, rookies come in and they have to do a bunch of training. And so I gave two, a, four, a series of lectures to the rookie class about sort of uh, preparation, mental health yeah. uh, preparation, also how to get in the zone, um, sort of how to not let your cognitions affect your play and who, how to seek for how to seek for support. Oh, okay. yeah. How do, how do you feel like that was received? Because you do you see a lot of stories in the NFL and other mm-hmm. you know, you know, other like programs, sports, yeah. you know, leagues where you know, guys are getting in trouble or whatever, like, mm-hmm. oh, they need to do more seminars and things like that. I'm like, I think they do a lot of them already. Yeah. But like, how, did you feel like a lot of people took advantage of it or maybe some of them did or how, how did you feel it went? Um, from the brief time I was there, they were they were pretty engaged, but it, it was after practice. Guys were tired, yeah. not really listening. It, it, they didn't, they, there were some guys who were there and attentive, but it didn't seem like this was an extreme emergency right now. Their main focus was learning these plays yeah. and getting making the team. <laughs> making yeah. the team. So I think where the NFL could benefit the most is heavily focusing on those guys who are getting close to retiring or who are starting to sort of weed out. Like, you know what? You had a really bad season. You might not be playing next year. The guys who are coming back to the community. Gotcha. Yeah. So I think um, I, that's one of my ideas that I have. I, I'm working on, on a transition program from sort of professional sports to private life or okay. from coll- collegial sports to private life. There's not enough bridges yeah. to get people back into the community. No, and I've talked to former athletes, and it's Mm -hmm. always difficult when you Mm -hmm. make that, when they stop playing and you stop getting paid to play the the sport. Yeah, 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 there's... This, yeah, because yeah. I mean, you wake up with purpose every single day to go do a specific goal. My goal is to make the weight room, to learn these plays, and go to practice. All that structure is also is gone. Yeah. And you're you're. I, I I compare. I hate to compare it to this, but it's like someone who just been released from prison. Like the structure is there, and you know every single what your day is going to be like. Your your body has adjusted to that prison environment, to j to the sport. But when you get out, what do I do now? Who yeah. am I? Where am I? What am I? I don't have to wake up. I don't have. To, I can eat whatever I want. So you kind of, I hate, I, I don't want to use the word institutionalized, but in a sense with an athlete, there's some sort of institutionalization yeah. where you are a part of a system and the system keeps you intact. Yeah. Well, it's mm-hmm. funny when you said that you said like transition back to, I think, I think you said transition back to society. I, I think that, and I was like, sounds like prison. Like, yeah. you up, you know? I, yeah. like, I guess there's, you know, I mean, not the same, but yeah. there's some similar things. There is this area in, yeah, there are some similarities. So, and I mean, even the trauma, let's talk about trauma. I, um, th- there's not, there's trauma in prison, but there's also trauma in a, um, in athletes, in athlete setting, physical trauma, psychological trauma, the, the head hits, the breaking of bones to a, to an average Joe, Breaking a bone is a life changing yeah, yeah. <laughs> experience. The next year of your life is all yeah. for an athlete. That's you got maybe six weeks and you better get up. <laughs> and we're expecting so of the psychological trauma of losing all of the people you hung out with, losing all your close friends, using your source of support. It's almost like pulling off a band aid that's sewed onto your arm. You know, yeah. like imagine you had friends and coworkers that you were fantastic, loved with, loved, hung out with, and all of a sudden the next day they're gone. Yeah. So there's some trauma in that too. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure that would be, uh, mm-hmm. North North people aren't making those kind of, yeah. you don't go into the office and like your buddy gets cut one day. Or yeah. you know? <laughs> Where's Joe? Joe? He got cut. You know, yeah, like, he's gone. <laughs> I what? mean, people like get laid off and stuff, but not on like a regular basis. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, you know, oh, we traded for Jim over there right? or whatever. It's right? Sally or something. Yeah. And, and also <laughs> to the, like, I I felt this too. The world loves you. The world is crazy about you. And then uh, next day or maybe a couple months later, who, who are we talking about? What's that guy's name? Yeah. You know, it's, it's always about the net. So the ego has some trauma too, 
where I was important. Now I'm not, I'm not as important. Yeah. And you, and you see athletes compensating for that frustration, that inner turmoil of feeling insignificant substance abuse. How do I push that away? Let me get high. Let me go get a drink. How do I push that away? Let me exaggerate my ego. Let me, I mean, I hate to get into it, but I'm going to put OJ out there. I'm going to like sure. a compensation of I am the man to now you're just a normal guy, yeah. but still trying to be the man creates, creates internal, internal conflict, um, extended external conflict. Sorry to get so psychological. No, no. That's good. <laughs> well, I mean, that's yeah. good. Like what? So I know you're working at a few different places. Like what are the, your yeah. jobs now like, that you're doing? So I have the three main um, focuses. I feel like it's the tripod um, uh, effect with my career. First, I teach at East Los Angeles College. I teach a series of classes each semester. Right now I'm teaching biopsychology and introduction to psychology. Okay. And uh, I also teach lifespan development. This is from the moment your parents conceived you to when you die. Sort of the psychosexual, emotional development, um, also social psychology and clinical psychology, how to diagnose people. So I teach. Also, I have a private practice out here in Manhattan Beach and Pasadena. So I run. Well, I have my own practice in a sense of uh, I work with a group, but my practice is kind of everyone in the group has their own little practice. Okay, yeah. and I'm also so you're seeing uh, private clients. Yeah, and stuff there. Yeah. yeah, about it's about uh, sixty to eighty. People, I don't see them. Every, I don't see every single week. Some come in every week. Some come in every other week. Okay. So, um, take cash to do insurance. It just depends. Um, so private practice teaching, and I'm assistant director of psychology at Gateways Hospital. It's an inpatient psychiatric unit where people you either have to try to kill yourself, killing someone else, or you're so mentally ill you can't take care of yourself. Oh wow! So like, um, you might on a hundred degree day, the voices are telling someone to wear five layers of clothes that <laughs> you can really hurt yourself that way. Yeah. Or um, the as the CIA's putting bugging devices in my food I shouldn't eat so I don't eat for two weeks so so it's some severe mental so I feel like um I can um, supervise at the hospital provide the treatment in my private practice and teach and that's making me a well-rounded clinician yeah yeah and I'm 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 34 so I feel like I got another 20 30 years in this game so I'm a baby I still got yeah I still got a lot of learning to do as well that's amazing is that the uh working at the hospital is it a lot of state or like people would bring like relatives in or how does that like- so yeah there's there's a couple ways you can get in the hospital the the, the a, a police officer a nurse a psychologist psychiatrist can deem you a danger to yourself or a danger to others so for example if you're at school and you're a teenager and you tell your your counselor your teacher i'm feeling bad i want to kill myself they're going to take you to the hospital and put you in so in the in, in the in the united states we can't just put family members in there unless they want to hurt themselves hurt someone else or gravely disabled is gotcha. what we call so yeah it, it, we I, I on a weekly basis i have to evaluate people and say are you um are, are you do you fit our criteria because you it's you can't take away someone's freedom unless you can justify that it's a safety issue. Okay, it's a it's a, a freedom. So it's so there's other levels of care I can put people at. Okay, mm-hmm. the uh, and I want to so the the reason I you know your your name popped up in my brain again because I was I think I forget where I was thinking I wasn't feeling that well I was like on the couch. And sometimes you just want to like stream something. I, I, we don't get HBO. I wanted to watch like the Michael Jackson one, but then I was like, oh, there's the R. Kelly one. And I have it like on Hulu or whatever it was. Yeah. I think it was on uh, Lifetime. Yeah. Surviving R. Kelly is the name of the documentary. It's yeah. like a six part series. And I forget which part I was watching, but you know, I, I start from the very beginning and then it's like Dr. Jody Alawale is, is being interviewed. And I'm like, holy crap. And I was like, I think I went to Twitter first. I forgot. I don't know why we I, we had each other's numbers or whatever, but I, I must have, yeah. like, probably after you graduated, we did an interview or something. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you might remember, but then, but then I, like, sent you a text and you're like, yeah, cool, let's do this. But I went, I'm like, well, how the heck did you get on that show? That, that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, I got to be honest, too. I have no idea. I <laughs> I got a call from Dream Hampton. She's the producer of the of the show. And she said, hey, have you heard about this stuff going on with R. Kelly? And I hadn't. 
And uh, she filled me in. I said, yeah, I'd love to come and give you my, my, my knowledge and whatever expertise I can offer. So it, um, it, so I went on there and just sort of discussed about how tra- victims um, react to trauma, what ta- how perpetrators um, sort of manipulate people. How does someone become a perpetrator? How does someone perpetuate violence? So I don't feel like I would have been prepared for that unless I was doing everything I was doing, yeah. teaching. And so I, I'm going to use the universe again. The universe is telling pushing me to take all these um to to do this type of work so when opportunities like that come up you're prepared to give the best expertise analysis that you can yeah so i don't i mean it wasn't like i'm some fantastic amazing doctor that the world wants to talk to it was um this guy looks like he knows we're talking about let's throw him on there they they probably think you're fantastic (laughs) seems like that way Uh, amazing guy to talk to you they put you on the show have you have a lot of idiots like me like text you or i'm like hey what's up like people like you know like oh my god that's my buddy from high school or something yeah i've got a lot a lot of people have um, reached out it just feels good to know that um people are wishing you well you know it's yeah. a it's a different type of cheering you on i mean you the coliseum you hear everyone cheering you on but um when when i'm doing it for my work that i really want to i really want to help people and i like um i love the feel of psychology so when i get cheered on here it feels just like I did when I was in the Orange Bowl versus Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, blocking this huge, this huge defensive end. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think I think another it, another factor that brought up the R. Kelly was um, there's not enough African American male psychologists in L. A. or in in California, and I think being an African American male psychologist, huh. ha- that was a part of the lure that they. They wanted yeah. to get an African American male's perspective on another African American male's behavior, so that could. I mean, I don't. I'm just speculating at this point. That I mean, that makes sense to me. And I was going to say what the, what kind of impressed me was, you you know, you're in this field mm-hmm. and you're a former football player, and like th- there's going to be links, tie-ins. Like if it was a something about you know CTE or whatever, yeah. whatever some NFL thing, like that you they wanted a former football player. Yeah. Do you, you, I mean, your name, yeah. there's probably not that many of them, yeah, right? So your not. name would come up. So this was like, this had nothing to do with football, which <laughs> I thought was like, that's pretty cool. That's like just on, you know, yeah. you could see just, you know, that would be a tie in, but it, there, yeah. that wasn't the case. In nothing this. To do, yeah. So I, I love football. Football's take me to places that I don't think anyone, it, I, football's taking me to places where I couldn't have gotten on my own. But I do think, I owe a lot, almost everything to football, but I am now sort of branching out to see where else can I impact yeah. um, our society? Where else can I make a difference? My heart is with the football, with football, but um, I think once I've past the 40, 45, year old stage i might turn around and come back to athletics yeah yeah interesting so i like you i didn't know a ton about the r kelly stuff like just what you'd see yeah in the news and then just watching the documentary i think i tweeted out like holy cow, like this guy's still walking the streets like yeah. this is unbelievable this is nuts yeah and it was like he married a 15 year old to start and yeah. like and then it just it went downhill from there you know yeah. it's like it was the, insane there's I don't, I don't know if you um You've heard of this rule, but it's called the Goldwater rule. And psychologists, psychiatrists, we can't um, diagnose or analyze anybody that we haven't evaluated. Like Trump, a lot of psychologists are getting in trouble because they're doing this to Trump right now. They oh. haven't evaluated him and now they're starting to analyze him. Oh. So, but, but I, I can't speak to R. Kelly, like what he is or how he thinks, but I can tell you these victims are saying the same story. Yeah. <laughs> they are expressing real emotion. Um, and I, I tend to believe them. Yeah. And I think I, I talked about this on the show and with other, with another radio station I, I went on, we as a society tend to compartmentalize uh, people's negative behavior if they can give us something of value. If, if you can give yeah. me what I want, I can take your behavior and sort of push it away. If it's, if it's music, if it's um, comedy, if it's your um, theology or your academics. So I think, um, I think that's, what's occurring with him and i also think with michael jackson as well yeah yeah it happened with oj <laughs> it's, yeah it's gonna continue. at some point the flood, floodgates break right yeah but there was like well it's all right you know mm-hmm. he probably he won the heisman he probably didn't do that yeah you know, those kind of things. yeah he yeah he rushed for two thousand yards in one season <laughs> he could do whatever he wanted <laughs> but i in in guys like like we just discussed i think it's it's good for us as men and women to take a reflection of our behavior how am I, what type of person am I going to be? And I think in my opinion, the the two greatest commodities, I don't know if they're commodities, 
or time, how, your, your, your time and your relationships. And in that treating people with respect, treating people with love, that's, in my opinion, that's worth more than a billion dollar bank account. Yeah. You know, when you, when you hit that, when you, when you, that deathbed, you're not going to care how much was in your account. Right. You're yeah. going to care who are the people's lives that you have impacted. And if you can, if you can lay your head at, down at night and, and know that I'm doing my best to help people and be a good example, that's all you got. That's all you need. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Like if you, you know, if you could see your own, memorial or whatever and yeah. someone gets up to speak are they would you rather them say well he had a lamborghini in the garage <laughs> or you know he yeah. helped homeless you know, yeah. right. that's kind of thing it's like yeah. that's the lasting impression i guess yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah be, be, i so that's in what i've got from sort of r kelly and the michael the leaving neverland i mean those guys i don't know what the story is but it's not sounding good <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. you know it's weird too because there are still people that are like they all just wanted the money or what I had people tweet me. And when I tweeted like, this is insane. I had well, a couple of people yeah. were like, you know, yeah. he's not proven or whatever. And I was just like, I don't know, man, there's like, like I'm no expert like you, <laughs> yeah. but you hear these same stories. And I'm like, <laughs> I wouldn't go through this to make it like, I don't think they're getting money. Uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of things yeah. that just would have to happen for this not to be yeah true. So, but there's still people out there that would be like, yeah. no, I'm a huge fan. I, I don't, it doesn't matter. you know. And, and because it, you can, it, I, I see that a lot. You can push away the, the victim's claims because they appeal to, in a sense, your rationale and you can, you can com combat what they're saying with your rationale. R. Kelly's music appears to your heart and your emotions. Yeah. And you're, you feel his music more than you feel their claims. Yeah. So you're all, you're essentially going to push away, uh, um, push away the things that you don't want to, you don't agree with. There's something called cognitive dissonance where two feelings or two thoughts have to match up. If, um, if those thoughts don't match up, you, tension is created that tension needs to be reduced by altering one of those thoughts. Um, For example, I smoke cigarettes, lung cancer causes, you can get lung cancer from smoking cigarettes. Those are two thoughts. Cigarette smoke, I don't smoke cigarettes, but two cigarette smoking, lung cancer. You have to tell yourself, I'm probably not going to get lung cancer from smoking cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you have to say, I got to stop smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Because that you, those two thoughts can't exist in your mind. With R. Kelly situation, I believe these women, R. Kelly's music is so great. He's so fantastic. Uh, let me not believe these women so I can enjoy the music. Makes sense. Or yeah. let me stop listening to this man's music because these women's stories are so... So, so it's called cognitive dissonance yeah. is, is, a, is a huge... Maybe yeah. the most outrageous thing from that, of, I don't want to like do a big review of the yeah. R. Kelly, you know, surviving R. Yeah. Kelly. But when he was going to trial and catch it, you know, meets a 14 year old girl who's a <laughs> fan of his, who was basically the same thing. Like, Oh, he couldn't have what? done all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she ignored all the, the red flags and all the signs. Right. And she ends up becoming yeah. a victim. And he met her at his trial. Like, yeah, it's absolutely is, it's like, that. how was that allowed to yeah, happen? Like, that, yeah. That is the utmost um, that to me, that's, what I call a severe issue because you are in trouble for doing something. And while you're getting caught or while you're going through the process of getting busted for that, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. This is why I'm, I can't diagnose him. I don't know what's going on in his head, but I can say if that was true, it's almost a compulsion yeah. and I can't stop. This is a behavior I cannot stop. So I'm not saying go feel empathy and cry for the man, but look that some people have severe problems and the way they express their problems are different. Um, uh, someone cussed me out in the hospital the other day, a patient, and the way I understood it is he or she, he's in pain. That's how he expresses his pain. I can't just meet it with <laughs> yeah. constant frustration. You shouldn't be cussing out at me. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't really doing that. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm grateful to be on that show. Hopefully, it leads to some other things. It yeah, led, I was gonna say, do you yeah. think you think yeah. it can? Or I mean, it led me to talk to you. Yeah, so it led me to get you. You gotta set your sights higher. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it led me here. I mean, I, I and I feel like this will this podcast will lead to something else. Yeah. So um, just some advice. I don't know if I can give if anyone's listening, of course, needing yeah. advice that um be say yes to things. Don't be afraid to go out your comfort zone. And um, if someone offers you an opportunity, say yes. 
and learn how to do it before the date <laughs> before yeah. the date occurs. <laughs> yeah, so being open to opportunities really does um, help your career. I think that's I mean that's brilliant because there's a lot of people out there that feel like they're unlucky or they just didn't get this and you a lot of the breaks you make mm-hmm. I mean you get are because of yeah. things you make, you know, yeah. and like you don't if you say no all the time and you're closed off to things, you're not going to be have the same where the person yeah. that's open to things might do five things and fail at four of them, but really is successful in the fifth. And yeah. that's all that matters. Like who cares about the four failures? I, I yeah. hit a home run on this. I got one. the fifth. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not bad to strike out. It's bad to stand up there and not swing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to swing. You have to swing that bat. So yeah, being open to being open to success and failure, fail big. In my opinion, go ahead and go out there and fail. And if you fall down 99 times, that means you got up 98 times. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's my little piece of encouragement for the yeah. listeners. I, I asked you like before, if there was like something to promote or anything, but you had like some, mm-hmm. I mean, you wanted to like, I guess, let, yeah, talk about like what you want to kind of share with people. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a charity or I'm not here to say, go buy this product or anything. Just, I mean, the best thing you do is just treat people with love and respect. I mean, it's, that's, if, if we all did that, this world would be a much better place. So that, I mean, go, go today, do something nice for someone gives and something nice could be a, Hey, good job today, or a smile, or a hug, or picking up um, a, a ball a kid dropped, or yeah. helping a woman across the street. So that just my my promotion, my charity, <laughs> be nice to people. Yeah, <laughs> it's so simple, yeah. but it's not easy to do because <laughs> so, people yeah. don't. You know, it's yeah. you'd rather be outraged and you know mm-hmm. complaining on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. social media must be a whole another thing oh for my you. Gosh, yeah, I'm getting a lot of a lot of kids who are taking their, I mean, attempting to take their lives because of stuff they're hearing online. Like bullying has become um, now. It's not in your face. It's now in your bedroom. It's in the shower with you. It's in your mind. All that. So bullying happens now on a twenty four seven basis. Yeah. So back in the day when I if I was when I was bullied at in sixth grade, I got punched and then that was it. Right. <laughs> Nowadays you're getting punched and then opening your phone and society's breaking you down. So I mean, yeah. So that that's a whole nother whole nother yeah. fish to. That, fish I mean, that, that you'd probably have to rewrite books and stuff right about this because it's a whole different like if you could take a someone could take a selfie of them you know post it on instagram and if nobody likes it it's not no one did anything wrong besides not liking it and the person feels like they've they've been slighted in a huge way (laughs) not slighted it's like you know like a a complete affront to them yeah and like our um our emotional our emotional stability is too linked to external factors. So the absence of praise creates conflict, it creates internal conflict. Um, not enough praise or the wrong type of praise yeah. creates conflict. So yeah, I mean, that's, if any, if people were listening out there, you if you want to get into mental health and write something on tech and it's the, the psyche, oh, you would be a billionaire. <laughs> I, well, that's it's got to be emerging, like yeah. an emerging market or whatever, right? Yeah. It's just because it's, I mean, it's all fairly new, right? Yeah. It hasn't been around for a long time. We're starting to see a lot of data with um, children who are especially teenagers who are using um, uh, all this technology uh, it technology in a sense operates on the same pathways as addiction in the brain where you're constantly checking your phone to relieve anxiety to relieve stress so today or tomorrow check how many times you look at your phone and you'll notice sometimes the phone didn't even ring, yeah. but it's just you checking to see what's there. You're in a sense getting a, a notification to relieve some kind of internal stress. So some of some of the research is showing that t- today um, kids are having less sex and doing less drugs, but are more depressed, have more self harm, have more psychiatric visits due to trying to end their lives. Wow! So it's um, technology is having a huge impact on society, and I'm I'm a little worried to see where we're going to be 50 years from now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're we're connect we're we're connecting more. But we're more disconnected than ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the record, uh, Jody would, was here and his phone is upside down and he hasn't touched it. <laughs> I think I looked at mine once because I was like, but I shouldn't have. I try not to do it, especially if you're doing an interview and in person. Like yeah. if I'm someone's on the phone, they can't tell. I'll be like, I could be checking text if a guy's yeah. running on and on. Yeah. But that, that's not happening here. But yes, yeah. for, for the record, you just kept didn't it down. touch it. School. It's a source of stress for me. It just, it just rings all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing to think back. Um, I mean, I'm older than you, but like, 
you know, when I was in college, like we didn't have cell phones and stuff and yeah. how different the college experience now yeah. would be. You know, we had like a home, li- we had a, a landline in our dorm room and, yeah. and stuff and like a computer, you know, we, the, you weren't really on the it internet. Was, yeah. and stuff. So <laughs> I was, it's like yeah. crazy. Like you'd have to go look up things in books and not like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, immediately like who won the World Series in 1962. Like you can know that in two in seconds. Two seconds. <laughs> yeah. And like um, I, I talked to a kid the other day and I was telling, telling him how back in the day I needed a pen and a paper to get someone's number. <laughs> <laughs> and now, in a sense, this kid now has every person's number on the planet. Right. <laughs> like yeah. Instagram, Twitter, whatever. In a sense, he can contact. And I'm thinking, like, you should not have a hard time finding a date, man. Right. <laughs> you can, you can, you already have the number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I also, another thing that I think is a problem with technology is we are too intertwined intertwined with all the problems of the world for example i wake up in the morning and i see five notifications of something bad that's happened um teenagers young kids are waking up every day connected with every bad every negative thing that happened in politics and war and um sort of finances so i think we know too much too much knowledge can be a problem especially so you and i if we when we were young i mean we had to go watch the news Today, the news is your alarm. Yeah. <laughs> the new, it tells you the news when it's you're like, waking up. Yeah. You're on Twitter. You're like looking for like, oh, what's going on at USC practice? And if yeah. there's some shooting or, yeah. or bombing or whatever it is, it's like you. Yeah. You're, you're, and, you and yeah. And we become desensitized to it because it's so much there. The body has to adjust. The brain has to adjust where I cannot keep myself open to all this trauma and negativity. So I become, eh, who cares? It's, it's the, I hate to yeah. the, the effort mentality. Yeah. <laughs> the effort. F it, I don't, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, I feel bad we've kept you a long time, but I no. wanted to get, before we let you go, um, kind of your thoughts on what's going on mm-hmm. at USC. Do you follow the program a lot? Do you go to games? Do you still mm-hmm. talk to former teammates? Like, what's your kind yeah. of. So, um, my, my connection with USC, my wife buys season tickets every year. So we go to the games with, um, at the end of the year, we go on the field and do the tunnel for the seniors and, um, sort of have them run by and give them some love. I, um, I gotta be honest, there's been so much turnaround with the coaching staff and the athletics and a lot of turmoil that I've kind of backed away and haven't, um, given too much, um, attention to it because I, I'm worried that I'm worried that I'm going to learn all these things about the school and then there's going to be a new staff next year. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like kind of, I feel like we're in a rebuilding phase and a re in a growth phase where, um, we need the support of every single USC fan out there, but, um, it's going to be a longer process than just next season. We're going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I do, I do keep in touch with a lot of the guys I played with. Um, I don't remember if you remember, well, Mag D El Shahawe, he was a, yeah, um, he just left. Recently. Yeah, yeah. He just left. So I would come and speak to the um, athletes. So what I do every summer, I come and give two or three, one or two lectures to the USC, to the football team. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Last summer was substance abuse. So we went over every single drug classification out there, what it does to you, what withdrawals are like. And um, not telling them don't do drugs because I know um, who's going to listen to me. <laughs> don't, oh, Dr. Jody said don't do drugs. <laughs> so um, I, in a sense, giving them as much information as they can and say, you got to make the choice and kind of like a. A public service announcement saying if you're using substances now do not be afraid to reach out to someone because yeah. the worst thing to do is be is to hide it so my my work now is not so much with the the win or lose or the stats of who's coaching who's not coaching my work now has been connected with the team being um an advocate for mental health yeah yeah so i mean yeah what has that been like so if you if they just brought in like a regular Mm-hmm. you know a non-former football player a doctor mm-hmm. to come in and tell you don't do drugs or what the different things <laughs> yeah does it do you think that there's more of a like when they say oh this is dr jody Adewale and he yeah. played football here and then he was in these meetings rooms just like you and yeah. were they like wow that's crazy yeah. that you get the yeah they a lot of them see that there's a life after football and i think there's a way to connect with athletes that you that some people might miss um, who haven't been in those rooms. So when I, when I go and talk to athletes, I close the door. You wouldn't think a doctor's talking. <laughs> You'd be okay. thinking, holy crap, this guy, I'm using the lingo. Yeah. I'm, I'm throwing some, some, some profanity out there. Like being, <laughs> like getting off, a, a, not on a high horse, but getting off the high horse and getting at their level and showing them that, look, life's real and you can, you can come talk to me. You can talk to someone because 
I'd rather, and this, this sounds weird, but lubricate the message so it gets into the to the to the right yeah. area rather than coming in with a sh- suit and tie and preaching. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You want if you want them to actually follow the advice, it's yeah. like you can, it's easier to like get on that level and yeah. And, and if they can relate to you, then it's more likely it could sink in. Yeah. And I don't go in there with a motivate like they're getting enough motivation from the coaches. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm more of a Hey, here's the knowledge, and you choose. Yeah. So, so that's my that's the majority of my work, uh, my connection with the with the team. Um, education. I mean, I go to every single game. I um, uh, tailgate. Also, um, c- can c- keep in touch with some of the former athletes. But yeah, that's that's that's, that's the cool. That, I mean, that, the fact that you speak to the team, like mm-hmm. you know, that's that's amazing that you get to still yeah. do that and have that kind of yeah. So even if you're not in the sports realm, at least you can kind of come back and do a little bit of it. Yes, and. For, for what I've noticed is something that I, I thought of was when I played Fres when we played against Fresno um, back in 2005. No one remembers the score. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one. No one remembers who scored this touchdown when or who. So I mean, the the, the sports is great for the moment for the season but what's most important in my opinion now is sort of reaching out that hand for the next athlete who might one day be a psychologist and be reaching out to the next um, athlete so that's that's my connection with the usc athletic department yeah Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool i'm glad that they i was going to suggest that they would bring you back so i'm glad that they already yeah uh do that yeah that's, that's a cool you know, hopefully that's a tradition that keeps going. Yeah. Know, no matter who the staff is and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm eventually one day I'd like to work there again. Um, I mean, I, I've always wanted to be athletic director at USC. <laughs> hey, you're a former football player. Yeah. You, that's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> right? You actually have a PhD. So like, I mean, a psyche, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe in the maybe I'm in my fifties or sixties, but not now, not today. I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of have to be a member of Augusta. Or something yeah, too, so. right. A member of that crew, <laughs> part of the student loan crew. Yeah. <laughs> do you when you like when the you know the newest scandals or whatever? Do you, do you just read it? It's like, oh man, what is going on there? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, we're talking about the um, sort of buying into college scandal. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one. Um, I see. Yeah, I see the coach. I see. Um, I mean, a big part that turned me off a little bit was. The Sarkeesian scandal when he was, I think he was showing up drunk to practice. Was that? Yeah, yeah was, that one. Yeah. That, that bothered me. There were some me. substance abuse issues there. Yeah, and I, I feel like um, I, I hold USC up to this um, sort of pedestal. And when I see these things, it, when the, all the stuff in the media, it takes hits to my um, my alma mater. Yeah. And I want to protect, but I also want to let people, I want to know people need to be accountable for their actions. So um, I, I take it more of... I take it with stride. Like we, USC will get through this. Fight on is our motto. We'll we'll fight on and we'll get through this. But um, we need to um, practice what we preach. Yeah, <laughs> the Trojans need to practice what they preach. Yeah. Um, one thing that just made me think of this when we we're talking. There's been a lot of uh, scandalous kind of things and stuff. One of the weirder ones, like the people will ask you like to rate like the top ten. Like there's a lot of weird stuff. Like Steve Sarkeesian, you know, showing up and not being, you know. At salute to Troy and swearing and being, yeah. you know, on pills or whatever he was on. Um, the one of the weirdest ones was definitely Josh Shaw, if you remember that. Uh, so I don't know if you're so he was a defensive back and like, oh, yeah. And so he would come to like he, I remember him coming to like summer workouts in like a, a tie because he was coming from his internship, like smart dude. He yeah. originally transferred from Florida and it was just like, he was a guy who was like, man, this, I always liked, I thought this is a cool dude. Like he's got, he's going to do well and stuff and got into a weird situation where like had his girlfriend and they like people like the police or whatever came over security and he like jumps out the window. Cause he, he, I guess he gets spooked and jumps out the window and, you know, hurts both of his wrists and then, you know, makes up a story about saving his nephew and then USC bid on it and they put it out there and it became this huge thing yeah. and then he had to come back like kind of tail between his legs like hey that didn't really happen and it was like for someone like that i i know he's a sharp guy and yeah. i know and it just seemed like so out of character for him to like but i guess you get caught up in yeah. whatever the moment was and you say something that you would never yeah. say yeah that that story i mean I, yeah that story almost there's some parallel to the jesse smollett case not not oh, okay. yeah not that he went out there but confabulating a story for personal gain or for to protect self yeah i think um when i see stories like that i i feel like there's not enough people giving these young men 
um, the right advice, you know. And I mean, some advice I can give to young men who I have made many mistakes in my life. I, I, if you want to sit down and um, we can talk, but I think being honest and showing the truth immediately is the probably the best, the best scenario because a lie grows like a cancer. Yeah. And you have to sort of um, day by day. Um, cultivate the lie to make sure it fits for that day so with with these usc scandals um it's getting it's getting a little worse (laughs) maybe it gets worse before it gets better that's what i've heard so hopefully it will get better yeah Mm -hmm. new new president coming on in july maybe that you know yes put put things in the right direction yeah just got an email from i mean i didn't get an email the trojan family got an email from her but um yeah hopefully it'll put things in in a new direction i mean we've been around for a hundred i mean i forgot how many years over 1888 i think it was founded yeah over 130 years i mean we will get through this um, but I do think we, as Tro- the Trojan family, we need to support each other and we need to hold each other accountable. We need to call out BS where we see it. Yeah. 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 We have to, I really appreciate Dr. Jody Alwali coming on. I, we need to get you like on the peristyle, which is our, our message board yeah. because there's, <laughs> I think we could use some, yeah. <laughs> some, some psychological <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy. Like some of the, it's sort of like social media, like yeah. but the USC fans that are, Rooting yeah. for the same team and yeah. just fighting each other. And <laughs> someone makes like if if you like, you know, Joe Smith comes on the football team yeah. and you like them as a prospect, yeah. you're like, I think it's gonna be awesome. Like they'll they'll live with that take that they've yeah. posted on there for the rest of their lives. No matter what, <laughs> yeah. you lose an arm. Like, no, he's still yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's weird. Like the mentality, I, I, yeah. like the message board mentality is kind of it's crazy. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's that divide and conquer. That's the only way they're going to beat the Trojans. I mean, you got to have the Trojans beat each other, yeah. you know? So yeah, I mean, I'd love to be on it. Let me know. Let me know what I need to do and just bring out your insurance card. Whoever's on the thing, I'll bill it. And, and I will bill it. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to let me know. Yeah. You, yeah. I just you'd read it for a little while. I'd be like, these people have got some problems. These guys <laughs> so, those are our people, though. So we yeah, these are people. <laughs> love each other. Be nice to each other. That's awesome, Doctor Jody Alawali. Thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate. Thank you, it. Ryan. It was a pleasure. All right. Uh, fight hope on. you guys. Yeah. yeah. Fight on. Yeah. Hope you guys all enjoyed that, uh, Doctor Jody Alawali. It was it was really fun for uh, us to talk, and I, I we talked for like an hour, which uh, was kind of crazy. It goes by pretty quick. So thanks so much for tuning into this uh, edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.